Hi, this is Peter Schwartz, public address announcer for the Cosmos, and you're listening to the First Team Podcast. Cosmos Country. On this week's episode, I will review week four NASL action, look ahead to the weekend, Cosmos versus the Armada at MCU Park, the Cosmos second home match of the 2017 NASL season, also look ahead to the other matches in week five in the NASL, and towards the end of the show, we will talk about some quotes from Giovanni Savarese on Jimmy Mauer potentially playing for the U.S. men's national team if he keeps up his stellar performances. So let's first review week four NASL action. Jacksonville Armada, top of the table, Jacksonville, drew 0-0 with the San Francisco Deltas at Hodges Stadium in Jacksonville, and they drew 3,512. North Carolina FC beat FC Edmonton 3-1. Going into this weekend, the Jacksonville Armada are going to play maybe one of their toughest matches this season at MCU Park. And this is new territory for most clubs in the league. And the Cosmos are not the team we once were. And I keep repeating this every single week because we're not that team that dominates matches. But every single week, we're working hard to become that team. To become that team that people fear. I think it's going to be a very exciting matchup. And I think the Cosmos are going to be up for the challenge. Because if the Cosmos win this match, we'll be tied for first place with the Armada. Seven points. And we're in the hunt for the spring season title. If we can beat the Armada at home. There's no reason why we can't. But I think the Armada have a lot more advantages. They're playing well. They're top of the table. They have this confidence going into every single week. But the Cosmos have not won at MCU Park this season. As we all know, the first match against Miami FC, we lost that match and we were embarrassed on April 1st at our home opener. And I think the Cosmos proved a lot of people wrong when we went to Miami and we won and we ruined their party. And I think they're going to try to keep that up, keep that winning streak going. Some storylines going into the match. Carlos Mendez is questionable. Giovanni Savarese is going to make his decision on Thursday if he is going to play. I don't think Mendez will start. Our Ayose, Ocheng, Barnes, Richter, Danny Satella, Guerra, Flores, attacking midfielder, 
Restrepo on the right, and Menjivar on the left, and Amari up front. So I will play, if I was manager of the Cosmos, I would go with a 4-2-3-1. I think that sets up a very defensive team, but I think the defense is not that strong this season. I think we need that protection from the two defensive midfielders, and uh, going forward, they provide um, some great attacking options as well. We have uh, Amari, hopefully he can get a start. Restrepo needs to cross the ball, needs to provide service for Amari to put the ball in the back of the net. He's that finisher, and he's not going to create chances. He's not that type of guy. He's a bit older. So we need to put players around him that are going to provide that service to help Amari put the ball in the back of the net. So the likes of Restrepo running up and down the right wing, and providing those crosses that hopefully Amari can get his head on. Flores providing those through balls. Let's hear from Clayton Freeman of the Florida Times Union. And let's hear his thoughts on the match. I'm joined with Clayton Freeman of the Florida Times Union. How are you today, Clayton? I'm just great. How are you? Doing really good. Let's talk about the Armada because I think a lot of people never expected them to be top of the table right now. Three matches into the season. Am I wrong on that comment? Oh. This year, they, of course, have been through a lot of a lot of uncertainty off the field before the year over the winter, and I don't think anyone saw them being right here right now. Especially, I think played 270 minutes with no goals allowed. Um, it's very strong start. It's, like it's really surpassed them expectations early on. We're held to a draw by um, in Saturday's game, but right now the defense is holding very firm. Um, they've been opportunistic in front of goal, and so far it's been a, a much better than expected and better than the track record has been for them. Yeah, and they're working with a tight budget, so do you think it's with Mark Lowry coming in from last season, right, and just trying to put his mark on the team? The last month and a half of 2016, they improved considerably compared to where they had been uh, before that. Now, of course, that was still a team that finished ahead of only Puerto Rico. And, of course, Puerto Rico didn't even play a full season last year. So they have they have a number of the players still in place, not all of them. Um, they had to make a lot of changes in defense. And Meshach Jerome is the only player remaining from defense. But a number of the key midfielders that they had from last year they've been able to keep in place, um, particularly Kevon George and Zach Steinberger returned to the team and Nicholas Marapu in midfield. So there are a number of familiar faces. And then also... A group of three players um, brought in from uh, Minnesota, um, and Aaron Pitchcolin, Jack Blake, and uh, J.C. Banks, who have the um, past NASL experience. Really automatic starters in the early going for the Armada, and that cohesion has really helped them. The, the chemistry has worked really well, and they're actually playing a lot like they were towards the end of last year, but it's, it's been a little bit more efficient and a little bit more settled. But they also have had an unchanged lineup for the first three games, so it's far more settled squad than it's been in the past, and that's, I think, part of how they've been able to make this um, unexpectedly fast start. Yeah, I remember last season, Cosmos were losing at the baseball grounds in Jacksonville, and want to wrangle with those uh, yep. free kicks, and we won the match. Um, it, it was starting then. I mean, they, they had they had quite a bit of roster turnover towards the middle and end of last season. Before they played a um, much closer game with you know, Cosmos scored a couple yeah. goals, and 
caused a lot of pressure at the last year and a half, very much in the Cosmos' favor with four straight wins in the series. And going back to the 2015 game with the the weight winner from Raul. So it's definitely been advantage New York over the years. Um, it's kind of an interesting reversal of roles now where you have this time it's the Armada coming in as the league leaders and the Cosmos playing at a baseball stadium. Yeah. So kind of a, a unusual little twist there. So talking about the Jacksonville Stadium, which is Hodges Stadium, can you sort of explain that field? I know we're not going to be playing there at the weekend, um, but for the New York listeners and the Cosmos fans, can you sort of um, explain the setup and has it been a success so far? At the baseball grounds, they had to convert that field from baseball to soccer and back every time. And the costs associated with that were staggering, um, both in terms of supplies because it involved thousands and thousands of square feet of saw, which had to be brought in from Alabama and essentially discarded. Um, That, of course, no longer has to happen. There is no football program at UNF, so it's track and field, soccer, um, things like that. Um, It is surrounded by a running track, um, and the stands are entirely on one side. That is, there are no seats behind either goal or from the far side sideline. So it's a very different um, atmosphere from just about any place else in the NASL. Very different look. It's not. It's a different feel from the baseball grounds. Initial capacity is about 9,400. Um, They've drawn about 3,500 for their two games so far, which is right about where the average was last year at the baseball grounds. It's also a completely different part of town. Um, the baseball grounds were downtown, um, you're right by the St. John's River, um, whereas Hodges Stadium is to the south and east of the city. It's on the campus of the University of North Florida, and it's a lot closer to sort of the area that's the traditional soccer hotspot for Northeast Florida, which is um, the southern and eastern um, parts of the city, as well as the um, neighboring suburban counties and Clay County and St. John's County, where the, the soccer um, tradition is very strong there. And it, it became difficult because, of course, Jacksonville is a very large city geographically, and uh, it became difficult for people to get to downtown. The hope is that this will be a more convenient um, location for them. And certainly early indications are positive. Um, and obviously from a budget standpoint, the the costs are reduced tremendously. And they came close to um, selecting Hodges Stadium at the beginning and at the outset and oh, negotiations wow. eventually with that fail. And that's when they decided to go downtown. But... Originally, the city council had budgeted $700,000 a year for the conversion of the stadium from baseball to soccer, and any cost overruns would fall on the armada, and that's what ended up happening because the cost overruns were considerable. If they would have played at Hodges Stadium from the beginning, this would be a whole different conversation today. Uh, very possibly. I mean, obviously, we, we don't know all that would have happened or would have changed, but um, it was a huge, um, huge monetary um, drain on the franchise when you're having to pay the amount of money they were spending and conversion. 
and not only conversion, but also additional costs, um, police, um, having, having roads closed near the stadium because you're closing off a section of downtown. You have barricades and roads that are normally traveled. There have been times, and particularly during May in the past, where the it's been difficult to get parking because of the um, music festivals and things like that at Metropolitan Park, which is immediately south of the stadium. Um, also, there has been construction on um, Everbank Field, which is, of course, the NFL mm-hmm. Jacksonville Jaguars Stadium. It generally caused a lot of problems or a lot of logistical hurdles that weren't originally planned. They have a 20-man squad, which is far and away the lowest in the league. Last year, they had, depending on the time of year, from 27 to 29 players on the squad. Um, So this time, it's a lot less than that. Um, As the season goes on, that's going to tax depth in a way that it wasn't tested before. And even complicates things like training, because, for example, when you have a 20-man squad, it's no longer possible to have you know, without bringing in trialists or otherwise non-roster players, you can't have, for example, 11 and 11 mm-hmm. drills with your roster players. Mark Lowry, the head coach, and you know, technical director Nathan Walter, they are having to wear a lot of hats, taking in a lot of roles that traditionally head coaches and technical directors don't necessarily have to do. Most of the NASL, and so a lot of that's had to be curtailed and the the front office is smaller. Your real concern that comes with you not having an owner in place. Yeah. Um, and you're wondering what the future holds for that. Um, but you know, for right now, they're certainly making it as attractive as possible for someone to, to come in in the future and helping to, I would say, turn around a little bit of the feelings of gloom and apprehension that to go from that to three and a half months later being on top of the league, even though it is early, yeah. um, it's a pretty good scenario that I don't think a lot of fans would have really expected. I think there's a lot of pleasant surprise from that. You know, they'll, they'll see what happens coming this weekend. Obviously, New York has been a major challenge for the Armada over the years. Which player should we watch out for on the Armada? Someone you saw Fairmount last year, Zach Steinberger. You scored their goal in the second game against Edmonton. Um, he's very active in the midfield. A little bit of an injury concern for him yesterday. Um, they're hopeful that he will be available for Saturday. He kind of links things together in the midfield. I would say the keys to their early success have been the central defensive pair of Aaron Pitchcolin and Meshach Jerome. Um, they have fit together very, very well back there where you have Pitch Cohen, the veteran who has more than a dozen years now of professional experience between the NASL and also MLS before that, particularly with FC Dallas, um, where he is sort of the leader and the organizer of the defense. And Jerome, who is one of the few players remaining from year one, and he signed in September of 2015, pace with just about anybody, covers a lot of ground, and those two have formed a really um, harmonious um, combination back there. And it's been very difficult for anybody to get through them. has been very efficient screening in front of them. It's been a barricade that so far no one has been able to really do anything about. And it's, it's going to present a, a definite challenge for the Cosmos 
Saturday. And up front, um, of course, Jonathan Glenn, also international play for Trinidad Tobago, has been the starting forward these three games and mm-hmm. has yet to get on the um, score sheet, but has been pretty effective. Should be an interesting contest out there um, Saturday night. So what's your score prediction, Clayton? Always hard to say, but I think they'd be I think Armada would be very happy if they were to come away with something like a one one, which I could certainly see happening. Should be a good one though. If they can actually keep the scoreless streak going through this game, um, which would be a major challenge, then I feel we'll start thinking about how far can this defense keep it up. And last question, Clayton, do you know of any update on the investor front on the potential new owner of the Armada? That's still, I mean, that's still continuing going through the league channels. Nothing appears to be imminent, um, but there there are interested parties, and at this point it, it remains sort of a waiting game. They are hoping that that there will be developments in that front in time. Okay, thank you, Clayton, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Clayton Freeman for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I touched on this earlier, that the Cosmos played on April 1st, the home opener in Coney Island, Brooklyn, and we broke the attendance record from last season. In one match, in one match, the New York Cosmos broke a record from 2016 at Hofstra University at Short Stadium, and on April 1st, we drew 6,274. MCU Park capacity is 7,000. I don't think we can have a full conversation. I don't think we can have an episode about MCU Park and is it successful, maybe what has to change for the stadium to be better for soccer. I think we need to give that more time. But going into the second match at MCU Park, what do I expect as a supporter? Not on the pitch. Because I think the Cosmos are going to put a great show on. I think they are going to give their all and they're going to fight for the badge. But off the pitch, I want to see the Cosmos grow every single game. What I mean by that is our attendance numbers grow every single match. And I hope, I hope we can have consistent numbers of 7,000 supporters at the stadium every single week. Every single week having 7,000 supporters, that will be a great start. And we need to grow in the media, more people covering the matches. You have local newspapers, they just put the schedule of the teams if we're lucky. But no one's really talking about the team like they would talk about, let's say, the Knicks, for example. And I understand two different sports, but the Cosmos have the history, and have the connections with the local community, and I feel we deserve the exposure. I think we deserve the coverage. But we need to grow as a club. We need more supporters, and we need to create this buzz that forces local media outlets to cover the team, that forces more fans to get involved, more fans to turn on the TV and watch the matches. So talking about the matches at the weekend... Let's preview Week 5 action before we talk about what Giovanni Savarese said about Jimmy Maurer. So Week 5 action, we have Indy 11 versus the San Francisco Deltas, which is this Saturday at 3 
o'clock p.m. Eastern Time at Michael A. Carroll Stadium. I'm going to go with a Indy 11 victory, two to nothing here. I think Indy 11 are playing pretty well. Cosmos versus the Armada. I didn't get my score prediction. I'm going to go with a 2-1 Cosmos victory. I'm feeling confident going into this matchup. I can't see the Cosmos just giving up at home. I feel like they're going to put up some type of fight. If it's a loss, if it's a victory, hopefully they put some fight into the performance at home. And that match is going to be on Bean Sports and MSG Networks. At 7.30 p.m., we have Miami FC versus North Carolina FC at Ricardo Silva Stadium. This match is going to be very exciting as well. I'm going to go with a Miami FC victory to nothing Miami. And then the last match on match day five or week five of the NASL, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, FC Edmonton versus Puerto Rico FC at Clark Stadium. You have to pick FC Edmonton. They're playing home. Puerto Rico FC are on one of their longest road trips. I think that's going to have a toll on the players. I don't think they're going to be 100% sort of ready for this match. I don't think they're going to be there 100%. I think they're going to be a bit tired. They're just not going to feel right. And I think that's why FC Edmonton are going to win the match uh, 2 to nothing. So that's Week 5 NASL action. The match that I think you have to watch is near Cosmos against the Jacksonville Armada. This could be a great match if the Cosmos win. So if the Cosmos win the match, they will be tied for first place with the Armada. If the Armada win this match, they're creating that gap. And that's why this is going to be a very exciting match for Cosmos, Armada supporters, and just for supporters of the league. This is going to be a great match on national TV, being sports, and on MSG Networks. So, let's just finish the show talking about these quotes from Giovanni Savarese, New York Cosmos manager from FrontRowSoccer.com by Michael Lewis. So, Giovanni Savarese said on Jimmy Maurer, so far, he has been outstanding. He's been so good. I think he's been a very important part of this beginning for us and making sure we are now reaching the right direction. I think if he keeps showing that, to be honest with you, I think that anything can happen. If people are watching, I think he's putting himself in a situation that why not to be called to be seen in something that could be the national team. So we've talked about some Cosmos players that I personally feel deserve a shot at the U.S. men's national team. Let me just put my thoughts out there and tell me how you feel. So you can email the show at firstteampod at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on social media and send us your thoughts on there, on Twitter, and on Facebook at First Team Pod. So my thoughts on this topic is, without promotion and relegation, how can you say a player in a Division 2 or Division 3 league is not good enough to play for the national team? If we did have Pro-Rel, or maybe let's make the connection to England. So the England national team, they would never pick a player from the championship, or a player from League One. It doesn't matter if he scored 20 or 30 goals. He doesn't deserve it because he's not playing at the higher level. But in this country, we don't have the opportunity, players and clubs don't have the opportunity to play at the highest level. Not every single player in this country is going to play in MLS. 
And I'm not trying to say that MLS is the best league or whatever. I personally don't think it is. But if you're playing in the NASL, it doesn't matter for what club. I'm not being biased. When Minnesota United were in the league, they had Christian Ramirez. They had Miguel Ibarra. They were great players in the league. And Miguel Ibarra deserved his chance. And he got his chance. But where is he now? MLS and not playing for the national team. Is Giovanni Savarese right? Does Maurer deserve a chance on the national team? Yes. Who's in front of him? Tim Howard. Okay, well, when he retires, who's behind him? Well, Brad Guzan. Okay, when he retires, who's behind him? There's no one. There's no one. And you can tell me some young keepers in MLS without promotion and relegation, how can you call someone out? How can you say that a certain player doesn't deserve to play for the national team because he's playing in the second division or because he's playing in the third division. That guy, most likely, is never going to be in MLS because either they don't think he's that good or maybe they don't want to pay the money to get him or maybe they just never spotted him because these teams don't have a lot of scouts to search lower division soccer that much. They don't care for it. They don't care for it. So that's how I feel. There's multiple players on the Cosmos. You have Danny Satella. You have uh, Jimmy Maurer. We have young players on the squad as well that play for the youth national team. So hopefully one day we could be talking about two players playing for the U.S. men's national team. That's what's really exciting. The Cosmos developing players. And I hope that keeps on going. I hope... The academy starts developing players, and we can see some players going into the first team, maybe some Cosmos B players, hopefully earning their chance to play on the first team one day. So that's how I feel on Pro-Rel, really, um, which is not a Pro-Rel episode, but it always ties into Pro-Rel, and I don't want haters to come out and say, what are you talking about, whatever. You can share your opinion, and let's have a conversation about this. So the last thing is that the strikers, and according to Empire of Soccer, the strikers have an offer from two people, but the most notable one is PSG Academy in Florida, is offering $2.1 million to buy the team, $1.1 million of which would go to the NASL to settle the debts owed to the league, Bill Edwards of the Tampa Bay Rowdies, and vendors. The business plan has been approved by the NASL Board of Governors. The ownership group that wants to buy the Strikers, they want to have more control over Central Broward Stadium. That's a stadium that the Strikers played at towards the end of last season, which I think it was a cricket ground, but now they're using it as a soccer field. Personally, I've never been to that stadium, but from watching it on TV, it doesn't look like a bad stadium to call home. The stadium looks pretty new. It's not old like Lockhart Stadium. Lockhart Stadium has a lot of history. And like Pelé played on that same pitch. But if someone wants to go in there and restore it and make it look nice but still keep the historic value, great. Do that instead. But I don't think they're going to go back to Lockhart Stadium. They want to continue using Central Broward Stadium. But they want more control. So hopefully... There will be some more NASL expansion news to talk about in the near future. Hopefully, Strikers, hopefully, Atlanta to the NASL. 
So that's two teams. Then we need two more to make it 12. So thank you, everyone, for tuning into this week's show. I really appreciate it. Once again, thanks to Clayton Freeman of the Florida Times Union for coming on this week's show. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, at First Team Pod. Email the show with your thoughts. And if you want to comment on anything that I talked about on this episode, at firstteampod at gmail.com. Check out our website, firstteampod.com. And we will have the second edition of First Team Podcast Extra Time. We will talk about Division Three or the new Division Three league that's led by Peter Wilt and Club Nine Sports. The second Division Three league that will uh, debut in 2019 by the United Soccer League. So stay tuned for that one. That should be a very interesting chat. And also on the First Team Podcast Extra Time, if you want us to talk about a certain topic or maybe you want to see us bring on a certain guest, email us and we will try to fulfill your wishes. Thanks again for tuning into this week's show. And as always, let's go New York Cosmos. Yeah, just want to give a shout out to the five points. Borough boys of Benedict Cosmos and the Cross Island yeah. crew. Uh, uh, yeah, it's New York street and white. What we believe you see in fight. Indeed, it seems to be achieving. See, we do and did it right. Cosmo country loving, we above them. I'm just saying. All those lovely songs come and see it in our playing. The fact of it is, rap from skin attacks, hash and bliss. Reacts, tap, we win. So fast, racking them in. Whether it's tag the wing, going back to the through the mid, cutting the seams. It seems we see anything to be. We got a ball and a dream. Got a ball and a dream. We do. I'm new, it's true. Fancy crew, down for you, no doubt they do. Surrounding you about the views. Like Shouting cues allowed to hear without the dudes. I'm my crews, I'm checking that's no excuse. Each session the lesson, it's not about perfection. The work's the test and F's connected like a method. Not breathless at the training, something's gotta be corrected. Rushing and acceleration at the start's the most suggested. Infected with greatness, potential is spacious. Out the world, just face it, the work becomes contagious. Some may say we made it, but now we've just begun. Sorry if you hate it, because I can tell you that I'm far from done.